0: I'm Nora McNerney, and this is Terrible. Thanks for asking. Who teaches us how to be gendered, to be a man or a woman or something along the spectrum? Is it our parents, the other grown-ups who are responsible for our care and upbringing and education, society? It's, of course, some combination of all the above, a recipe that contains some common elements— the shows we watch and the magazine covers we read while standing in line at the grocery store, the centuries of gendered traditions that we don't even think about, and some that are specific just to us. A grandfather who insists we always stand when meeting someone new, a grandma who teaches us to never reach for our own pocketbooks when we're out to dinner with a man. We learn all this gendered stuff from all kinds of places. This is Ryan.
1: My dad is the, is the person who taught me how to be a man. He's just a dude that goes about his business. He means what he says. He is constantly thinking about other people. I think um, he's really intentional about breaking a lot of the stereotypes of masculinity. So, like, he would do the dishes. He would do the laundry. He never once said, like, oh, that's a woman's role. That's a man's role.
0: A disclosure for this episode. I knew Ryan in high school. We both attended a pretty progressive Catholic high school known for its racial and economic diversity. Not like, not the kind where you just know the administrators are like searching for like the two kids of color to put in the brochures, but like a pretty genuine one. The kids came from all over the city, all kinds of backgrounds. Ryan and I came from two very opposite sides of town and we both graduated in 2001. Now, our cultural touchstones at this time, when the 90s turned into the millennium, the things that were teaching all of us what it meant to be people, include the following partial list.
1: Hollywood action movies. I grew up thinking that I was going to be a professional athlete. This was SportsCenter had just come on. So I watched Sports Center probably like six times a day. A lot of like... Like, mainstream pop music was becoming much more of a thing, like, readily accessible.
0: Britney Spears, dressed as a sexy schoolgirl, singing Hit Me Baby One More Time, whose lyrics make no sense.
2: Hit me baby one more time.
0: Christina Aguilera, the bad girl version of Britney, telling us she's a genie in a bottle. We better rub her the right way, baby. Yeah.
1: I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. Come, come, come on and meow.
0: Next, yeah. a Minneapolis boy band, we were very proud of them, that hit it big with the story about getting a boner on the dance floor because a girl is just too hot.
2: Girl, I know you felt it. you know I can't help it. You know what I want
1: to do. I remember Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton, and I remember being like, Making jokes about Monica Lewinsky and never thinking, like, wait, the most powerful man in the world just did this with somebody who's slightly older than me.
0: MTV's Spring Break, Road Rules, and Real World, basically reality shows about being drunk in your 20s and just kind of being irresponsible and also sex. Shaggy's It Wasn't Me. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. A song about your girlfriend walking in on you having sex with your neighbor, I guess. Yeah, the girl next door. And then you gaslight your girlfriend into thinking it was a case of mistaken identity.
1: I remember watching the first Bush declare the Gulf War and being like, "Yeah, we're so tough." You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't. It's not just athletes and musicians and actors who are shaping what it means to be men for young for young men out there. It's it's like America, and that's what America is.
0: There's nothing that crazy about any of this. I mean, every generation has had songs and and media and crazy political things that have never been seen before. In the late 90s slash early millennium, our high school, for all of its social justice stuff, was still a Catholic high school. There were still specific roles to play, a specific sort of food chain to the ecology of the environment. Being an athlete, a good athlete, made you cool. Being a good male athlete, I mean, especially cool. To be a girl and be cool, I mean, it was just best to fit in. Do your hair and makeup the right way. Be smart, but not too smart. Laugh at all the boys' jokes, even the bad ones. None of this, again, is very special. But that's the setting in which I met Ryan, or as he called himself at the time, Shorty, with a dollar sign for the S and an IE at the end. Ryan was short, and I think now of how smart it was for him to get ahead of that narrative, to own that characteristic so it could never be wielded against him. I was not short. I don't think I've ever been short. Freshman year, I was six feet tall and about 115 pounds. I was a skeleton with braces. I mean, I did not own it. I slouched a lot. I would do this thing where I'd kind of stick one foot out, lean into that hip. And I think the effect in reality was like a broken doll. But in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm creating a perfect optical illusion in which I am an average sized female and therefore more feminine, more cute not threatening. Please don't make fun of me. Ryan played football and baseball. He dated my volleyball teammate. He was kind of a dick. And to be honest, I was kind of a dick, too. Apologies to anyone I was a dick, to from like 1995 to, I mean, present day. Anyways, lucky for us, for all of us, we are not who we were in high school. The intervening years, they give us time and space and opportunity for growth. I have remained six feet tall, and Ryan is now about 5,8, but we've grown in other ways, too. After high school, Ryan went to a nearby university and played Division Three baseball.
1: And I was a commuter. And so there would be times between where I'd have, like, a few hours between class and baseball practice, and I didn't want to go all the way back northeast, Minneapolis, and then drive back. And so one day I was just, I went to the library, computer lab library, um, and I don't even remember what I went down there for. i probably tell people it was for homework, but it definitely wasn't. Um, But Yahoo Messenger was up. I logged in, and I went to um, a Tribe Called Quest chat room, I believe is what it was. it a Tribe Called Quest? It was Quest? Tribe Called Quest, yeah. yeah. Went to a Tribe Called Quest chat room, and there was only like seven people in there. And so I was like... I did the thing that young men would do. I was like, let me find the, let me find the, the, the most beautiful <laughs> profile in here. Or what, a name that I felt like compelled to. I still remember what it was. A sight to behold. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh,
1: what was your name? Uh, probably like Bugs something. That was a family nickname. <laughs> so, look, see, you know I'm oh getting mature where I God. can tell this story. <laughs> and laugh at myself. A
0: sight to behold was Tiffany in real life. She's in Tempe, Arizona, and Ryan sends her a message, and they start to talk, and then they keep talking, and then Tiffany and Ryan exchange phone numbers, and they build this friendship, but it becomes clear that it's obviously more than a friendship. But Ryan is still in that relationship from high school. So this means he's basically having an emotional affair with Tiffany, and he knows it's not right, or... Does he? I mean... This is like what dudes do. I'm not married to nobody. And he's right. That is what dudes do, or what a lot of us are told dudes do. Dudes play the field. They sow those wild oats, which is gross. I guess that means women are a crop for the picking. Or I don't know how you're sowing out. You're sew- it's not good. Dudes, they're not supposed to get too serious.
1: I'm not going to make a decision. I'm not going to commit myself to something and grow together. I'm going to find which one is the best one, and then that's what I'm going to go with because that's what I'm entitled to. And not thinking at all about how you know Tiffany or my girlfriend at the time were feeling, and that's really messed up. And so at that same time, this is happening with Tiffany, and my little brother is like presenting and leading with so much more courage than I had ever done in that world. Around that same time, he was like, I don't want to play sports no more. He started really getting into art and rapping and was like taking guitar. He grew his hair out. He like defied a whole lot of like really masculine stereotypes that I had come up and really internalized.
0: A lot of things are changing for Ryan. A woman he really cares for is challenging his deep seated views on what it means to be a man. And the future he imagined for himself is starting to shift.
1: And I was coming to the end of my time at Hamlin playing ball, so I was going through a real crisis of like, yo, they're not gonna pay short chubby dudes to play professional sports. Like, that's just not gonna happen. So I, I got into art and I really got into poetry like through the model of my little brother. I had wrote poems before, poems slash rap slash, you know, all the things that it does, but I would never show anybody, I didn't even tell nobody. Kept them in my room, like underneath my mattress. And like because I was so afraid of being called like a sissy or I, I was like the worst thing I could be called was like a pussy. Like that was the worst thing in my neighborhood, in my you know what I mean, when I'm thinking about like how my pops grew up or how we grew up, it was that. It was like, yeah, we're poor, we're working class, you gotta carry yourself, you gotta get respect. Like that's something that I grew up valuing. And that was really a catalyst for like, oh, I gotta rethink a lot of stuff. Cause then you you know, you start to be around people who you who you see are like cool or are where you're supposed to be or where you want to be and they're talking about things that you're like, "Oh man, we talk about that openly?" <laughs> like, or you feel like, "Oh wow, I am definitely the person they're talking about."
0: There are these two sides to Ryan. The part of him that wants to explore art and poetry, and the part of him that still thinks that masculinity is tied to him being emotionally unavailable and non-committal in romantic relationships of which he has two right now. But Tiffany is not about that. She has her own idea of what a man is and what a man should be. The closest person to me would have
2: been my grandfather, who was like my father. Um, He is the patriarch of our family. There was, you know, five kids he had, my grandmother. Um, So I looked up to him in regards to like what a father would be or should be. And still having the same, like, respect and admiration for my father still being present in my life, even though, like, he was not physically there. Um, he was always still calling me, sending me birthday cards, sending me presents. We would talk. I would go and visit um, in the Bay Area pretty much every summer. So he was still present, but I didn't really look to him as far as, like, what I'm supposed to see, how, like, men should operate, take care of family, take care of home, so on and so forth.
0: And Tiffany's idea of a man did not include this running around like a sower of oats. An oat an oat
1: sower. I remember one day I was in um, class at Hamlin and I got an email. And she had wrote me like a five paragraph email. Basically just pulling all, every card I had like, yo, you're whack for this. You're whack for this. <laughs> I'm, the one line that stood out was like, yo, we could have, you're going to miss out on like a good thing because you're treating me this way. And so it was, like, one of the—a moment where I really had to be like, yo, am I living in my values? Is this what—it was, like, one of those, those gap-filling moments, right? Like, I never had anybody just tell me, yo, you can do something else. You can be different. Until Tiffany told me that. Um, and it was just one of those moments where it's like, okay, who are you going to be remembering what my pops had taught me? You've got to be a man of your word. And here I am being called out for lying, being called out for being shady.
0: That email— changes things, a lot of things. Things end with Ryan's long term girlfriend and he ends up committing to Tiffany.
1: And so like meeting Tiffany, committing to Tiffany has really pushed my idea of manhood.
0: Ryan and Tiffany keep talking and Ryan graduates from college and then Tiffany moves from Arizona to Minnesota, which is oh that's nuts. The two of them are together and they're serious. Ryan starts working at a high school for low-income kids and he becomes the kind of teacher who talks to his kids about social justice and their human rights. I know this because, of course, Ryan and I have become Facebook friends at this time. And I see all of his posts and I'm like, is this the same guy who used to wear a gold chain and sign his name Shorty with a dollar sign? It is, that's growth. Ryan and Tiffany decide to get married Which, weddings are a minefield of normative gendered stereotypes. Honor, obedience, bridezillas. But Tiffany has one thing that she's going to insist on. I just
2: knew that I wasn't going to give up my last name. So I'm glad that his consciousness was, like, elevated and open enough to understand that.
1: I don't remember, like, a conversation of, like, what's our last name going to be? It was just kind of like, I was looking for ways to more visibly show... A, like a rejection of patriarchy is like the only way that sounds kind of corny or like theatrical and I don't mean it in that way but like also sometimes I do kind of say that I think visible signs of breaking the norm are important
0: so Ryan has an idea it's for each of them to take each other's last names with a hyphen
1: uh, a coworker of mine had done it and I was like oh that's a really cool like, kind of subtle way to be like yeah I don't really go for that And so I was like, yo, I I think we should do this with our names. And she was like, yeah, I'm not getting rid of mine. And I was like, cool, it's done.
0: That is cool. And now I'm actually annoyed at both my husbands for not taking my name. But the thing about growth is that it's not just about you. It's about you in the context of your world and your relationships. Not everyone is going to make space for the new you. At least not right away.
1: So I grew up Ryan Verden. We got married, and now I'm Ryan Williams verdon and so many people had something smart to say about that. Really? Yeah, like who wears the pants, who? And I like I don't call those people friends because like my circle is pretty tight, but they were definitely acquaintances or people I knew. People that like, why do you think it's okay to say those things to me, like coworkers and stuff like that?
0: There's some things that I think are okay to say to you. So we're going to take a quick break and I'll say them and then we'll come right back. We're back. I'm a man of my word. So to recap, first comes love, then comes dismantling the patriarchy, and then comes marriage. And now it's time for...
2: I think that we just automatically knew that
0: we both wanted children. Look, if you are listening with a child or if you are a very innocent adult, we are going to talk about how babies are made. Or we're at least going to allude to it in some vague terms. (laughs) Because our
1: approach was... We were never like, we're not gonna try. And so we waited a year until it was like, okay, now we're for real trying.
2: Okay, stop. So that's that's, not true. No, that's not at all how. Okay. So my mind was. Someone was trying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Someone was trying, obviously. But no, my mind was just like, we need to be financially prepared. We need to be financially secure. Like my whole entire existence was. thinking about my family's experience, my mom's experience, and the struggles of trying to raise kids, right, your parents. So, like, I I was always hesitant to just, like, commit to, like, really trying
0: because I always wanted us to be in a better financial place. That's fair. But really, they were never not not trying. And the thing about not not trying is that anything can happen or nothing can happen. And nothing was happening. So that not not trying turns into trying.
2: It is the app, it's the monitoring, yeah. it's the like trying to read up of like how you're supposed to like, you know, time all that. Which It's is, like the least sexy time is. where you're like, you Yo, need to get home. It like within makes the you
1: next week. <laughs> and,
0: and he was so not,
2: frustrated by me. it. He's That's like, oh, my <laughs>
1: God. I'm a very like spur of the moment. Right.
2: He
0: was like, there's <laughs> no, no foreplay, there's no. no nothing. I'm like, no, no, no let's go. Like, no. It's, it's, I got got a 36 hour window. So a six hour window and then I need to lay still for 10 minutes. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And so so, like, that was literally like the life, you
2: know, eight months to a year after we got married. But then when we started to pay attention to it, I would say probably like almost six months into us having paid attention to it. I was like, nope, we got to go to the doctor.
1: Well, but so yeah, we like, it's funny how both of us like our 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 first initial thing was like oh something must be wrong with tiffany Mm -hmm. i think the doctor was like well we should get ryan tested first because it's way easier (laughs) like you just go in and do your thing and then leave
0: yeah for guys the whole fertility process is really i mean it's really hard they have to go to some nondescript strip mall they have to Go into a small room, look at some outdated porn, masturbate into a cup. I mean, it's really invasive stuff. So my heart goes out to all of them. But Ryan bucks up, gives his sample like a hero. And the two of them head off on a one-year anniversary trip. They're in Mexico having a dream of a time, swimsuits, tacos, beaches. We were vibing. He previously was not
2: a drinker, right? He had his champagne and wine with me for the first time. The very first time.
1: I was overcoming some fears and some unlearning.
0: Everything is peak romance, relaxation, togetherness, and then it's time to go. And they have to start moving back into their normal lives again.
1: We were sitting on the plane um, on a tarmac, and I had service, so I checked my voicemail. And the voicemail, I'll never forget it, was like, hi, this is so-and-so from uh, the fertility clinic at the U, and there was no sperm in your sample. We need to have you back in. Bye.
0: No sperm, like, not any? They get to their layover city, back to the hotel room, and Ryan is wrecked. The fertility issue in their relationship, it's not Tiffany, it's Ryan. There's no sperm in his sample. None. Not just too few sperm, not just some lazy sperm. No sperm. No sperms at all.
1: And it like was devastating for me. It was devastating. I remember crying. Like you hugging me, laying on the bed in the hotel room, sobbing. Like that it was it was devastating. Off of like a fifteen second voicemail.
0: There's some pieces of information that are such square pegs in your round hold life that when you get them, you can't fit them in anywhere. They make weird bulges, they feel like they don't belong. And you definitely don't want them there. But once they're in, they're not coming back out. Your only option is to try to shift everything to make room for them. So what does this mean for their marriage, their family, for Ryan? They get back to Minnesota. Ryan retakes the test. And all the while, Ryan's head is playing a never-ending loop of self-talk.
1: Am I a man? Um, Will Tiffany want to stay with me? Right? I knew we wanted a family. Is this even possible? Um, What does that mean for my relationship? Um, You're not good enough. You're not going to be able to stay married. All these things.
0: The results come back and the results were
1: the same. Like, yeah, it was it was hard.
0: So more tests, more tests. You got to understand what's happening.
1: The like ruggedness of of like how everything was communicated was really, really fucked me up. I was used to like sports physicals, turn your head and cough. But they never like comment on like, oh, or like, oh, you're not really worried about anything like that. And dude would always comment on my stuff. Like, he'd be like, Well, you don't see anything wrong with your testes. They're uh, average to below average. And I'm like, Bro, if you don't shut up, <laughs> you're over here telling me I can't have kids, and you're telling me them I don't, what is happening right now? It made me want to punch him in the face. Like, cause that's how I grew up asserting masculinity, right? Was like, Fuck you, fight me. I'll still beat your ass. Um, and dude was tall and all like, i'm five eight and, all, and he's like I'm, it was bad that was my initial reaction I'll, I'll be straight up that was my initial reaction and it was a dude so it's like i'm i think about the through lines of how men are socialized to like talk about emotions or anything that could be possibly having you feeling fucked up and he did not do a good job And, like, maybe it is a good job because it was just, like, cut and dry. There was no room for, like, how are you feeling? I know that that might hurt you. You've probably... Have you wanted kids? Like, maybe it is better that it's just cut and dry like that. But I remember every single time walking out, like, yo, I need to see a therapist. And I had never, at this point, thought about seeing a therapist ever. But I was really, really messed up about it.
0: So what's the significance, like... What does that bring up for you when the doctor's like, well, your your uh, testes are average to below <laughs> <Yeah>. average? <laughs> like,
1: I don't care who you are. You, you could be the most well-endowed man out here. You are self-conscious about your stuff all the time,
0: no why, matter what. So, I, I
1: promise you, you are. Why is that? I don't know. Because we don't talk about it. Because we don't talk about it with our intimate partners at all. But right? I don't know if, like, I'm not, I'm not obviously I'm not in a same-sex relationship, so I don't know if, like, two men or two people who have penises talk about, like, that more openly. I hope they do, because that feels way more healthy to me. But, like, me- guys and girls don't talk about that stuff. We just assume that, does size matter? Hell yeah, it matters. Like, and then if you don't, you know what I mean? So there's all those things that are being brought up. On top of, you can't do the thing that you've been told your whole life defines a man, which is have kids.
0: Regardless of methodology, the tests will clarify a few things. The doctor gives Ryan and Tiffany a few explanations for why Ryan's semen might be missing sperm.
1: Could be for a number of reasons. You could have a blockage in your tube. You could just not produce um, enough sperm and they just might be in your testes. They can remove the blockage and everything can just be great. They could, if it's just an issue of, like, you just don't produce enough so it doesn't actually get into your semen, they could go in and surgically take it out of my testes and put it, you know, all those same things. And then there's the most rare kind of azospermia, which is a genetic defect in your body, just does not produce sperm at all. And dude, like, touches, feels the tubes or whatever. He's like, well, there's no blockage. They just don't produce enough. So we're going to prep for, like, starting to prepare me for this surgery. Um, And he's like, but we're going to do one more blood test just to rule out this genetic defect. When he says it like that, we're just going to rule this out. And so I'm like, doctors, they know everything. We're good. Um, Yeah, it turns out I have the genetic defect kind and my body does not produce sperm.
0: So no sperm. Not a one. Not a chance. Azospermia is a relatively rare genetic disorder where you just don't make sperm. Ryan is a man with a short Y chromosome, and his testes are average to below average, and he can't get his wife pregnant even if he tries. For all the ways that Ryan's definition of masculinity has expanded, for all of the ways that he has grown as a person— has his definition of masculinity expanded far enough to include this? And can other people's minds expand to include it too?
1: Our family had been asking us when we were going to get pregnant. That was the other thing that is was like, that stress is real. Like, I had heard people say that and I'm like, ah, oh, don't trip. That can't be that No, that shit is real. But I remember sitting at our, at our kitchen table and I remember telling them like, hey, um, We are seeing what was going on with me and Tiffany, and we got our results back. And I think they assumed the same thing that we've assumed. Like, oh, something happened with Tiffany. Um, And I was like, yeah, don't. I have this thing called azospermia. And what it means is my body doesn't produce sperm. And it just being, like, silent. And then my mom being like, what? And my dad being like, nah, that's bullshit. And, and then watching them struggle with it like they stayed there and they were like it's okay i think they felt like oh there's a um like a cure or like anything you can do and it was like no there's not um and they i think they had a they they handled it well but it, like we just didn't talk we still don't really talk about it and that's kind of how my family has come up you know being poor being like this it's like yeah, life gives you curveballs, life gives you hard shit, and you put your head down and you get through it. And that's kind of what this felt like, is like, okay, you got a plan, and go do it. And they, 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 they were supportive, you know what I mean? Like, I love you, uh, you know, all those things, they were supportive, but like, what do you say to that? You know what I mean? There's nothing that they could do.
0: There's nothing they can do, and there's nothing that Ryan and Tiffany can do. The two of them will never have a biological baby together, so... If Ryan can't get his wife pregnant, can they have a family? And how? And the obvious first answer that everyone screams out right now is, Adoption! Adopt a baby! If you wanted a biracial infant child... Biracial children are actually
2: more expensive than white children, and black children are the least expensive to adopt. So um, we went through that disgusting, horrifying process to find that out, and
0: I knew I wanted an infant to raise. And it's not like she owes anyone a reason for why, but she wants a baby to raise, and she wants the experience of being pregnant. She just does. So the options then are donor sperm, or IVF with donor sperm. IVF is expensive, really expensive. It,
2: it wasn't covered by my insurance. So we went the donor sperm route. And that was just doing um oh my god, why am I forgetting it? IUI.
0: IUI, thank you. I did that one too because it was the cheapest. Yeah, thank you, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, like, take, I remember cheaper. them telling me how much IVF costs, and they have like a laminated yep. sheet yep. <laughs> that they slid across and Aaron and I were like we will literally never in our lives yep, have this much exactly. money ever. And I was like, "Do you have like a sale version?" I was like, "What is?" Because like, like, they're like a TJ Maxx. Yeah, baby? like what's like the option. knockoff yeah, option <laughs> like, from this that meets me halfway? Yeah.
2: And you're like, IUI and my insurance where I was working covered part of that. I was like, "Oh, we're 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 golden."
0: It was also pretty easy for me to get the sperm. Aaron had like Ryan gone to a nondescript strip mall right before he started chemo and radiation and he masturbated into a cup and we just had those vials delivered to an office where a nurse put it in me. For Ryan and Tiffany, it's not that easy. Deciding to do IUI means another huge decision, which is picking a sperm donor. A stranger who will be the father of Ryan's kid— And Ryan will be the dad. So how does a dad pick the father of his child? Well, literally, it's like shopping online for shoes or clothes or a grill. You just choose what kind of factors are important to you. Size, color, shape. But emotionally, how do you do it?
1: I knew it was important to Tiffany for her to experience childbirth and pregnancy. I felt like I had a responsibility and like could learn a lot about myself and about the universe and about our child through the pregnancy process. So it was important for me too. that importance and my excitement for that period. And like that part of my life outweighed any sort of like ego I had in, this is not my like sperm. Um, but the thing that like did escalate at that time was thinking like, Oh shit, if this works, what do we tell our child? You know what I mean? Or like, how do I answer questions about medical history? You know, what did this dude, donor 12,045 or whatever it was, like all of a sudden wants to meet all the kids that they've, you know, provided sperm for? Like all of those things became um, to varying degrees, real, real concerns for me um, and caused a lot of anxiety that I had to work through. Yeah.
0: So when you're looking through those profiles, Like, how do you think of these people who are numbers?
1: Yeah, I think about... I was thinking about epigenetics at the time, which is the idea that, like, we're connected through, like, ancestry and traditions. And so I felt really strongly about Irish ancestry. I didn't want to ever lie to my child, and I wanted them to... So to be able to talk about, like, your ancestors was important for me. That brought me some sense of, like, peace about this process, but... I wanted somebody that was short and stocky and was Irish or at least had some Irish in them, at least half, because that's what I am. And then other than that, it was like cool, you would nailed it down to three. This pro- success rate. I wanted it to be done. Yeah. Because I, I think you knew that it was like extremely was really hard, hard for, for me. You. Yeah. I do remember a couple of times of like literally scrolling through, but for the most part, Tiffany did all the heavy lifting for that, which I'm so thankful for. Thank you. Mm. Um <laughs> Tiffany definitely protected me from, from, I think, the most traumatic parts of it.
2: The shittiest part of the process was picking a donor. Going through those profiles on a website, and you got to, like, pay extra to see the medical history, or you got to pay extra to see a picture of what they look like. You have to pay extra to see these very important pieces that, like, help inform you on which donor you're going to choose. And it was stale. It was
0: impersonal it was frustrating for 11 months they tried iui month after month they tried three different donors but nothing was happening it was taxing it was
2: expensive i switched jobs so it was no longer covered under insurance So we were paying out of pocket and i remember our friend came over and he was just like you know, like, you know, the universe and it's all within you and you just got to let go and you just got to let it be. And like, you know what I mean? Because I'm so controlling my I think in my body.
0: <laughs> but but and also the weird thing about IUI is that it does feel like a personal responsibility. Yeah. Like, you're like, well, I know those eggs are there, yeah, and I know they're putting... Did I not lay down for long enough when they put the egg timer on? Yeah, Yeah. I'm like laying to the side a
2: little bit, and like, did I not lift my hips high enough? You know, did I not sit there long enough Mm -hmm. afterwards? I would do all of that. I intentionally was like, F it. I'm not going to follow the app. I'm not going to be tracking every little feeling. I'm not going to do any of that. I go in, it's a different nurse. A different nurse came in and did the thing. She was like, you know, she talked to me really calmly, like, you know, you got this. Just go ahead. You know, it's going to be good and blah, 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 blah. I think it was like the day that my period was supposed to start. And I went to the bathroom. He was gone on a retreat at work. um, And I'm like, I'm just going to check. I was like, in the morning, I'm going to check. I'm just going to see And I went and I checked and I did the little thing and I set it down automatically assuming that it was going to be no, right? Because it's been no every single month. And thinking in my mind, I didn't get any of the signs. I didn't feel anything, even though I said I wasn't going to worry about it. But I'm like, I don't feel nothing. And I looked down and I like looked again and then I was like, is that a second blue line?
0: We'll be right back. And we're back. Tiffany just did her very last IUI, the last chance for her and Ryan to have a pregnancy. And she's sitting in her bathroom, waiting for the home pregnancy test to tell her that, once again, it didn't work. And then it just, like, came in clear,
2: and I, like... Freaked out.
0: Ryan won't be home for another 24 hours and he's basically unreachable. He's a teacher at a 12th grade retreat
1: with his students. So, all these 18 year olds got to put their phones away. And so, we all, we, the staff, are like, yeah, we don't have our phones either. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) So, we all have our phones in the staff cabin. And so, I walked into the cabin just for some reason. Like, I shouldn't even have been there. And I heard my phone vibrating and she was calling me. Um, and so then I answered. And I actually do remember exactly what, did, what, what you did said. What did I say? You were like, guess what? And I was like, it's a no. Because I knew what she was talking about. Like, that's all that we had consumed yeah. the last year of our life. And she goes, no. And I was like, no what? And she's like, the exact opposite and I just remember cr- like crying. <laughs> like, there was, I would just started crying. And like, the sun was just coming up over the lake. It was really, really corny rom com <laughs> shit. <laughs> like the sun was coming up over the perfect lake, and I was like, Clear
0: Blue commercial. This is amazing. <laughs> 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 a like new a day. <laughs> we did it.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, it was like, I can't explain the sense of like relief for so many reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I held it. Of course, it's memorialized. I still have the stick.
1: <laughs> same. Don't joke, yeah. yeah. Same.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like technically there's pee on it. Yeah, Whatever. Right. It's, it's in a jewelry box. Go. Yeah. It's good. They're pregnant. It worked. Also, whenever people are like, I don't like when people say we're pregnant. She's pregnant. No. 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 We are pregnant. Everyone who is listening to this podcast is pregnant with them. It is a team effort at this point. Ryan's going to be a dad. Tiffany is going to be a mom. They're going to be a family of three.
2: I, I truly believe that, like, it was a blessing and a gift to be able to allow me to have the pregnancy and the experience that I was able to have knowing so many women like experience pregnancy differently so many women have ideals about what it's going to be like and then you get to the moment and it's not what it what you thought it was going to be and then having to switch up your plan in your mind when you kind of envisioned right um so i feel very grateful <clears throat> and blessed to be able to experience it in all of the ways in which i thought it was going to be I never looked so good pregnant. Like, if I could be pregnant again to lose the weight, I lost weight being pregnant. I know, it's weird. I mean, my skin was glowing, my hair was on like on fleek. Like, I was just skinny. (laughs) Everything was just great. The boobs are my favorite part. The boobs were just voluptuous. Everything was just great, except for, you know, and I
0: had the belly, and I had the cute belly. So I was like, yes, I can do this. So tell me about seeing... Mm -hmm your baby born,
1: Man. (laughs) Man. Women are amazing. (laughs) That's all I can... Like, women are... There's nothing closer to God on Earth, I think, than childbirth. I cut the umbilical cord, which was amazing. And they put Zoe on... on, Skin to skin on, on Tiffany's chest, and she was just like... The most perfect thing looked just like Tiffany. It was... It was amazing, like, words failed that to describe that, or at least my words do. Um, it was it was just amazing, it was like, all of it was worth it.
2: And I was like, oh my god, you're finally here, you know what I mean? And the only thing I thought of was like, you have no idea, like, <laughs> <laughs> you just have no idea what we went through to get her, you know what I mean? And so like, she was finally here, and like, she was all ours, and it was just... She's literally like God, you know what I mean? In
0: in the living flesh for us, so. That's it. Ryan's a dad, Tiffany's a mom, and baby Zoe? Perfect. But beyond their closest family members and friends, nobody really knows the origin story of Ryan and Tiffany's family.
1: You don't ever tell nobody you've had Azel Spr- I haven't told... I The first time I've ever said this word out loud in public is on this podcast. Other people will know, like, oh, they struggled to get pregnant. Or, you know what I mean? Like, some of my closest friends know. But we just don't talk about it. Yeah.
0: And how would people know that Ryan is not Zoe's biological father? She has plenty of Ryan in her. This child... <laughs> and it's all in the annoying way. <laughs>
2: Right? It's all in the annoying ways. But like when you're looking at her in a certain way, like she looks like Ryan. Um, she has the loud laugh like Ryan. She has the energy like Ryan. She has the humor like Ryan. She loves to be like touched and tickled and the like little whiny <laughs> like touch me, tickle me, like the like all of you know the, those kind of ways. Like she much <laughs> much like Ryan. Like so she has like these really wonderful quirks that are part like amusing about Ryan and part like really annoying about Ryan the power of, like, nurture really just does something.
1: My niece, you can, like, see my brother in her. And, like, there are times when I'm like, oh. But they're, like, fewer and far between, and they don't sting the way that I thought they would. And I think that's in large part because of how my pop showed up and how easy it was for me to say, this is what being a dad is versus this is what providing biological material looks like. Throughout the whole process, that's what I spent most of my time thinking about was what did it mean to be a father versus a, sper- a sperm donor? My dad, I, I have love for my dad. I have so much respect for my dad, not because we share DNA, but because of how he showed up for me, how he showed up for my mom, how he shows up continuously for, for our family. And so that was like what I was, th- what I would think about is like, okay... What it means to be a dad is to be present, is to be there, and you you can do that. Like, that's about choice. That's not about whether your Y chromosome is the appropriate length or not.
0: Families are created in all kinds of ways. We know this. We live this. We see it all around us. But when your family is created in a way that seems to be outside of a norm that is very very outdated, it feels like you're the only one. But this is the story of their family. This is how they came to be. Zoe's going to be starting kindergarten soon, and every day she understands more and more about the world around her, about what it means to be a person in this world. She learns it from school. She learns it from the limited amount of screen time we let our kids have, She learns it from Tiffany. She learns it from Ryan. The best part of life is learning and then unlearning and relearning. What it means to be a man, a woman, a whatever kind of person, a human. We're all, like it or not, aware of it or not, participating in that big experimental education and re-education of ourselves and of one another. Look, we can't bring down the patriarchy with novelty t-shirts and waiting for each individual man to learn and grow their way out of it through personal reflection. There's too much incentive in the system for most men to even start. But what we can do is we can encourage and demonstrate and even demand that the men in our lives think more about their role in the system to try to talk about things more so it becomes more normal in our culture to ask these questions of that system. To ask, what does it mean to be a man?
1: To love people and to reflect and accept people pushing you to be better tomorrow than you are today. It's okay to be complicated. It's a thing for men, is like an oversimplification. We either do this or that, but it's okay to do this and that. So it's okay to be complicated. And then I would I would say like embrace growth. I think that's the the number one thing is embrace growth. You're not static. You gotta be dynamic. That's what I think it means to be a man.
0: I'm Nora McNerney, and this has been terrible. Thanks for asking. You can find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan612NE. There are a lot of men, I'm sure, doing work on deconstructing masculinity. I follow two of them on Instagram. Um, One is at Caleb Campbell. He has a podcast called The Naked Soul with Caleb Campbell. He used to be a professional football player, now he's just a tender dude talking about his feelings which he always was. I don't know. It's a very complicated story. I'm oversimplifying it, but I love Caleb Campbell and he's really fantastic to follow. Another account that I follow on Instagram is called The Love Drive. Um, Very, very similar um, work being done on that account. I'm sure there are others. Um, If you have some recommendations, why don't you comment on our Instagram when we post this story? Hans Buteau is our senior producer. Marcel Malikibu is our associate producer. Hannah mee is our project manager, and Jordan Turgeon does everything else. Our intern is Ariana Giles, and Terrible Things for Asking is a production of American Public Media. Our theme music, most importantly, is by Joffrey Lamar Wilson.